Hello and welcome to the Born Together podcast. I'm Techie Quay and I hope you enjoy tuning into this contemporary archive of stories on the subject of mother and parenthood. I believe in the connective power of this experience, whether it be that someone's story reflects our own or gives us the opportunity to learn and see something new. I hope that this podcast taps into the power of shared stories and that it may become a portable community for you wherever you are, illustrating the many ways we become parents and families, the lives that we live and the journey we make to find ourselves within it all. Thank you for coming on this journey with me and let's jump into the show. I'm really excited to be bringing you this week's episode with Elena Fong. Uh, at the time when Elena received her daughter's diagnosis for Down syndrome, she had doubts. She couldn't imagine herself as a special needs mum, which was heavily influenced by the colouring given to her daughter's diagnosis from the medical community. Four years down the track, Elena is now mum to her daughter Winter with Down syndrome and her son Nova, who is a typically developing child. Elena shares the arc of her journey connecting with her daughter and what she's come to know about herself and our humanness through Winter's authentic state of being and her new role advocating the need for equity and inclusion so that Winter can see herself and all her potential reflected in the world around her. Elena also opens up about her state of mental wellness, her IVF journey and the isolation of her miscarriages. Elena, like myself, is a true believer in the connective power of shared stories, and I'm so very grateful for all she shares with us here in today's episode. So here we go. Hi, Elena. Thanks for coming and joining me here on the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, I'm really chuffed, and I'm just so grateful to you for agreeing to be here. So hi. (laughs) Hi. Well, I'm grateful to, you know, you having me on this podcast. You know, it's quite an honor. Oh, thank you very much. I wonder, would you maybe like to introduce yourself um, to the listeners and maybe give a little bit about your family and yeah, a bit about you, you guys? Yeah. Well, my name is Elena. I'm a Down syndrome and disability advocate. I live in Oakland, California. For those who don't know, it is, it's close to San Francisco. And I live here with my husband and my daughter, who's four, who has Down syndrome, and my son, who will be three in about two weeks. <laughs> wow. I couldn't believe like any parent who has two under two. I'm just like, oh my God. <laughs> It's a lot. How is that for you? (laughs) It's a lot. I can only imagine. In some ways, I think it would be wonderful because they must be so close just in age and they'll never find life without each other. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, right now, they're kind of at the same developmental point with each other, but they do have very different interests. I have to say that the difference between raising a girl and raising a boy is is very obvious. <laughs> but, really? You know, like there's like there's a stark contrast there. Um, at least in my case, yeah, because my daughter is, you know, she's very chill. Like she likes to just hang back, you know. And my son is just a daredevil, no fear. <laughs> like you know, he wants to constantly move. That's why I like my daughter. Uh, you know, I forgot to mention their names. My daughter's name is Winter. My son's name is Nova. So with Winter, you know, she's like my movie watching buddy. Like we will sit yeah. there, we will eat our popcorn, you know. And my son, as my son's running around the couch, acting like a pirate <laughs> or a dinosaur or whatever it is, you know, acting out the film for you guys. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, it's funny. I, I always hope that I wouldn't really parent them differently being a boy or girl but I think like you said like they, they will just have different needs isn't it different mm-hmm. needs different people mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. and Elena would you mind taking us back maybe to the beginning of your journey of motherhood it seems as well having done a bit of reading about you becoming a mother really launched you as you are now in a completely different way. I th- I wonder if maybe you'd take us through briefly the process you went through, I guess, to become a mum and the IVF journey, because I think that lays an important foundation to you deciding to continue with your pregnancy with Winter. Yeah, absolutely. So my husband and I had been married probably about three years and we had been trying right away. And I hate to even say this because (laughs) of my age, you know, I felt like I didn't have a lot of time to 
become a mother, you know, to become pregnant. So we tried for about three years. I had two miscarriages that were absolutely devastating. And we finally came to the decision to do IVF. You know, we learned that my husband's job was able to provide coverage for that or partial coverage for that, but only once. It wasn't something that we would be able to do multiple times. You know, I did a little research. I talked to some women who actually have gone through IVF and they've you know, had to do it multiple times because Mm -hmm. it wasn't successful. And obviously that gets very, very expensive. So we kind of just took a leap of faith and we decided to do IVF, you know, and through that process, I learned that, you know, my body was producing eggs that had word I want to use abnormal eggs, I guess, and is the word that I can come up with right now is caused my miscarriages. I was also 37. And, you know, and I knew that, you know, unfortunately, age does kind of play a role. Not to say that women can't have children past the age of 35 or 40. But there is a little bit of that possibility of, you know, it being harder. So we did IVF. And I was able to produce about 10 eggs. And four of them got fertilized, but then I was only left with one embryo (laughs) that actually, you know, did the things that it needed to do. Like, you know, the the cell split, you know, they were monitoring all the rest had just stopped. And I was at work and I got a call from the embryologist and he said, I am so sorry to tell you, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen. We have this last embryo, this and it's just the cells aren't splitting. I, I already waited an extra day or two to see if they would. And it was absolutely devastating because all of my hopes and my dreams to become a mother um, rested on this one embryo. And, you know, because I, I figured, you know, we tried naturally, you know, it just wasn't happening that I needed this medical intervention to make it happen. You know, the only other option I could think of was adoption. um, Because obviously, I felt like, well, my eggs are no good, like my, you know, my body is not working properly, or whatever you want to say. And yeah, and I think because I was so devastated, and I was crying so hard, the embryologist felt sorry for me, because, you know, because he had already, you know, they did the seven days, and he he waited the extra. And, and that was the call to tell me like, hey, we're gonna stop now, you know, Mm. and he was like, okay, he was like, you know, I'll give it one more day, you know, but when I call you in the morning, please don't expect good news. Well, that's just like, okay, well, great, (laughs) you know, but the fact that he was willing to give it one more day, I was like, oh, like, there's that like, little glimmer of hope. You know, I feel like our process has always been like, we've always been that 1%, you know, like when you're going through this process, you're constantly given, you know, percentages and, you know, graphs and um, numbers and all of this stuff. And we were always like that 1%. And so that night, like I, I went and I told my husband when I got home from work and of course, I just cried. And I was like, it's not gonna happen, you know, and he was really sweet. Like, he was really sweet. And he was like, it's okay. You know, it can just be you and I and 100 cats. And (laughs) (laughs) and he was like, it's okay. And so that night, we decided I am Buddhist. And we decided to chant like we just chanted like our lives depended on it. We chanted for a miracle. We chanted that that the cells would split, you know, and visually picturing it in my mind, the cells splitting and putting it out there. And the next morning, the embryologist called and he was like, Elena, how are you doing? How can you ask me that right now? (laughs) (laughs) Tell me the news. (laughs) Just say it. You know, he's like, I don't know what happened, but the cells split. He's like, we biopsied it. We sent it to the lab. And uh, yeah, that was, that was it. Like, you know, it came back. Yeah. It came back. the, The biopsy came back with no results. At the time when we were told that, our doctor was like, 
you know, this could mean that the biopsy was too small or there could be a chromosomal abnormality. And, you know, I was like, well, what, I don't know, like, what should I do? You know, and the doctor was like, you know, if it was up to me, I'd do another round of IVF. And I was like, I can't, that's not an option for me. I can't do that. I can't afford that. And I think too, I kind of just knew, you know, I didn't have to, we didn't have to sit on it too long. And it was just like, nope. This we're going to implant. Yep. We're just going to do it. We're going to go for it. Just thinking how in my life, it's usually when, but when I surrender to the process and it sounds like maybe that's what you did a little bit as well, like going home to your husband and okay, this is it. And we're just going to see, and it's going to be okay. We'll have a hundred cats, but let's just <laughs> throw all of our energy at this and it's out of our hands. And yeah, it's incredible. And I just think, yeah, your story resonates for me as a mom. I feel like my daughter definitely chose to be here in this particular moment. Yeah, it just blew me away. (laughs) And so I guess that helped, what would you say, steady you for the journey that was about to continue and is continuing to unfold day by day. And you went into hospital to have testing done pre- Mm-hmm. Prenatal, prenatal testing. testing and I did that just based on thinking that's what you're supposed to do and I also wanted to know the sex like I'm I'm not a surprise person like I like <laughs> being prepared um For me, it's so connect with my baby a lot more I was like I just want to know and then I was like oh it, yeah. I don't know it felt really nice to me maybe if I had another one I don't know maybe I wouldn't find out but I'm too curious I think <laughs> <laughs> yeah me too so yeah I got it done you know and they said they would call with the results and again I was at work and I got a call I was so I went into the office and the person on the phone was like I am so sorry your test result came back positive for t21 trisomy 21 which is down syndrome and my heart just dropped I instantly cried again you know I felt I felt like I was mourning my child, mm. you know, before she was even born. And maybe your you know, motherhood as well. Her. Like what? Yeah. 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 It was like, it's gone. Like we, we came this far, but it's over now, you know. And I had asked her too. I was like, you know, how accurate is this test? Mm. And she was like, it's about 80% accurate. There are other tests that you can take that are, you know, pretty you know, definite, you know, close to 100%, which I actually had decided to do at the time. Like, what I know now, I probably wouldn't have done Is that the CVG or something like that, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, 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 yeah. And then there's the one where they take the spinal fluid. And that one you actually would do when you're farther along in the pregnancy, which I didn't want to do. I didn't want to wait. I wanted definite answers sooner. And, you know, and in the meantime, you know, I'm going to my checkups. I'm seeing my baby grow. Mm. I'm going to cardiologist appointments because it's known that children with Down syndrome more than likely would have some sort of heart defect. And so I was, you know, constantly hearing her heartbeat, you know. And, and seeing her and she's she's a real person now to you. Yeah. Yeah. She has feet. She has fingers. You know, I see her little nose. <laughs> the nose is a too uh, much, aren't they? <laughs> I know. The profile. Yeah. I'm just like, <laughs> that's my baby. Yeah. And, and yeah, at this point, so... had you been given your options or had you sort of swayed one way or another in terms of what you thought you might do with your pregnancy? Um, No, I think I was still in shock about the diagnosis. We had to go see a um, genetics counselor. We went and saw a genetics counselor right away and she told us all the things my child would not be able to do, what a burden she would be. And yeah, then they laid it laid my options out there and it was like, well, you can terminate. You can terminate. That's a choice. And I kept being reminded of that. Mm. You know, I felt like it was already decided for me that Down syndrome is bad. It's not something you want. You're not going to be able to handle it. It won't be your ideal situation of motherhood. You know, you should 
terminate. You still have time. You still have time. I think too, it's interesting. Like I've just been doing a bit of reading and it sort of sounds to the way they frame it. Not only is it negative, but it also almost sounds like a kindness to the child. If that makes sense, they won't Mm -hmm. be able to do all of these things. And it's, it's focusing so much on their disability rather than their different ability, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which, yeah, I think as a parent just sitting there, I think you said before off air, like the fear that it instills in you, it's overwhelming, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And you're correct. It's kind of like, you know, your child will be suffering Mm -hmm. in some way. It's better if they're not here, which is completely wrong. You know, they've come to learn. So yeah, you know, after sitting with the genetics counselor and then, you know, her giving us the, you know, statistics and all of that stuff too, and all that information, I kind of just, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I kind of just like switched my mind, you know, like I was like, you know, I want to know what it's really like to have a child with Down syndrome. I don't want to know percentages. I don't want to know, like, I don't want to know those things. Like, I want to know the, like, day-to-day of what it's like to raise a child with Down syndrome. You know, I'm, you know, in all accounts, she's healthy. Mm. There weren't any, it's not like she had this kind of diagnosis in which she's she was going to only live for a certain amount of yeah. time or that she was going to be living in pain and you know I was just really kind of confused about it all I mean I understood that there would be challenges I understood that developmentally you know things would happen at a slower rate that there are some things that she will just never understand um there are some things that she just may never do but that is that is a reality but there's also the possibilities too mm-hmm. because just like you I was and gonna I say this is true for all of us isn't it right like we have our strengths and our weaknesses we have the things the abilities that we're able to do and the you know things that we aren't able to do and so I had to do my own research you know and this is where social media like really comes mm-hmm. in and I am so grateful for this community um obviously meeting you and you know I just researched like I like searched for families of that had children with down syndrome and I reached out to it's mostly moms mm-hmm. you know it's mostly moms that are on Instagram that are sharing their lives with their children and you know and I even reached out to moms that had children with down syndrome that were older mm-hmm. because then you kind of you know it's not to say that my child's life is going to be the same but it kind of gives you an idea of like what you may face you know the and I just came to the conclusion that like I you know it just that it just doesn't matter to me. It, it doesn't matter that she has Down syndrome. Like, I want this child more than anything. You know, like, my husband and I wanted to become parents. We wanted to start our own family. And I had to, like, tell the doctors. And, like, I was just like, stop telling me I can terminate. Yeah. Like, I, we've made our decision, you know. It just sounds too like you were essentially... And they robbed might not be quite the right word, but your opportunity for joy was thwarted by these people. You know, it was just even the way you said the first phone call, I'm so sorry. There's is it a chromosomal, an extra chromosome? Is that the mm-hmm. T21? Yep. T21? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just coming yep. and, you know, I'm so sorry, not even just presenting the information to you as information. It's already got this coloring right. to it. It probably too sounds like you had to go on a bit of a journey, I guess, grieving the motherhood that you had envisaged. And I don't know, did that then open up all of this blank space for it to just be whatever it was going to be? And I don't know if that in a way is kind of a freeing, a freeing sensation or a freeing circumstance. Yes and no. So like, even though I was doing my own research, even though I had accepted her diagnosis. You know, I have to be honest, there was this very, very small part of me in the back of my brain that was saying, maybe she doesn't, maybe they're wrong. Even after Mm -hmm. having the second testing, which, by the way, is very invasive, only to confirm something that I already knew. So I, and also I was afraid of other people's reactions Mm -hmm. to her diagnosis. You know, we decided not to tell anyone but our moms you know my husband and I raised with 
by single mothers. And so we told our moms. And I think I maybe told one close friend while I was pregnant. But for the most part, didn't tell anyone because I was afraid of the reaction. Mm -hmm. I really just wanted people to be happy for us. I didn't really want the like, you know, it's going to be okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I just didn't want that. And there was a part of me that didn't quite celebrate Mm. being a mother. Before I became pregnant, I had started, I'm not sure uh, what it would be called, but here in America, it's called like a hope chest. Okay. Where you put Um, things away. Yeah. Yeah. For your future child. (laughs) And I had started that. Mm. I had, you know, started putting like little baby um, hats and, yeah, <laughs> little stuffed kitty, and you know, I was I was kind of collecting like little bits and pieces here, but I think if I hadn't received Winter's diagnosis or hadn't known that she was going to be born with Down syndrome, I would have been going crazy. Like I would have been <laughs> going shopping. Like I would have gotten all the cute outfits. Like you know, just really like got into it and celebrated what was you know about to happen mm. in my life, and I and I held back. I held back and I, and it makes me sad when I think about that time because I really should have completely embraced being my daughter's mother mm-hmm. or becoming her mother and and I didn't I didn't I think yeah I missed out in a, in a way when that happened you know because I think I think it's hard because you don't have I know in your advocacy, you know, you talk about how there's an absence of these children in the media represented. You've done your own research, but it's just not a common experience in terms of them being a part of our community. So when all of a sudden you feel like, I think I remember reading that you were saying, like, I don't know if I want to be a special needs mom. Yeah. You know, and what does that yeah. look like? And, and I mean, nine months is a long time, but it's not a long time. And I imagine you didn't have nine months from the diagnosis until when she was born. I mean, there's so much to try and soak in. And I imagine every day yeah. brings something new. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. And she was born early. Yeah. So she's a preemie. Yeah. And I think too, because I didn't, I didn't share her mm. with my world right? Like I didn't tell people her diagnosis. So that in itself didn't allow me to fully celebrate her and celebrate becoming a mother. There's a lot of hesitation. And I also feared the unknown of not knowing if the pregnancy would last Mm. because of my experience with miscarriages. And I also feared to, and this is where doing your research, like sometimes you learn too yeah. much and you go down this rabbit yeah. hole and then there's all these other possibilities of what she might be born with that they can't detect before yeah. she's born. It's such a fine line, you isn't know. it, between knowing and knowing too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. The moment when she was born, how did you feel? Yeah, in the, in the last moment to your pregnancy and she was born early, so I guess you hadn't prepared <laughs> at that point to become a mom. <laughs> No, I I had just had my baby shower. So I was like, (laughs) I was like, I have time. I I didn't pack anything for the hospital. You know, yeah, she came. Well, my water broke, but I wasn't having contractions. Mm. So I didn't, I didn't feel anything. And I I remember just standing there and I thought the water would just stop at some point. It's so much. (laughs) It's so much. I remember when mine broke and I was like, I'm, I'm really hoping it's my waters and I'm not just peeing with, without, have I lost all sensation now? I can't even feel what I'm peeing, but it's so weird. And there was so much of it. It started off as a little trickle and then it was just like, my husband thought a pipe yeah burst. it really is yeah like I we right we went to, I called my mom and she was like Elena she's like are you in the car right now? I was like no I'm, like, I'm waiting for the water to stop she's like Elena go to the hospital <laughs> like I was just like oh okay and at the time too we had started a list of names for her and my husband really liked one name and I really liked another name and then there was a third name that was in the middle that we both kind of liked which was winter but it wasn't our favorite and so when we got to the hospital, our admitting nurse, her name was Winter. Oh, well, there you go. And, <laughs> yeah, she was amazing, you know, as a, as a, you know, a new mom, a new about to be mom, you know, and you're 
you're dealing with a lot and you're panicking and you're stressed out. And she just like came in like this kind of like warm hug and was like, everything is going to be okay. You know, women have babies all the time, you know, and um, she really held she that just space. Kind of, yeah. 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 That kind of like was the determining factor. And winter it is. <laughs> um, yep, That's her name. It's, you know, it's a sign, but yeah. And I, I just, I wasn't having contractions and they, you know, I feared that I would be forced to have a cesarean, yes. which is very common. I don't know if it's common in the UK or not, but here in the States, you know, you, you hear about those stories. And especially um, if your waters have gone and you're not, if, and you're not an established labor after a certain amount of time, I think then it feels like the pressure starts to build. Yeah. Yeah. And they said too, that, you know, if, if she stays in there too long, you know, she's more susceptible to infection. So that's another worry. So I kept checking, mm. you know, like, is it okay? It's still here, it, you know, inside of me, like, is it is, are we still in a safe space? You know, because I'd really like to still try to, you know, have her naturally. And, you know, they kept letting me know, they're like, yeah, you know, it's fine. It's fine. And I, I was just so thankful that I was surrounded by medical staff that was on board with me still trying to push mm. and like, you know, have her naturally, I was like, thank goodness. But then there's also that fear, too, you know, like, I, I'm already having a child with special needs, like, is there, am, am I compromising her health right now? Am I compromising her safety? And it was just this huge process mm. of, you know, trying to make the right decisions and do things the way that would be um, safe. Yeah. For, for myself as well, you know, and it's just like, she was just like, I, they had to induce me so I could start having contractions. And I just felt like I was pushing forever. And this girl would not crown. <laughs> and I was just like, please, you know, and finally she did. And they took me into the delivery room and, you know, she came out and they whisked her away. It wasn't my idea of like wanting her immediately on my chest so that I could connect with her. And they told me this, you know, and it was sad. When the I um, diagnosis, they wanted to go in yeah. and check her. Mm -hmm. Right away. And, you know, my husband went where they took her to like wipe her down and, you know, do all the things. And he came back and I just asked him, does she have Down syndrome? And he looked at me and he just smiled and he nodded his head yes. And I was like, okay, okay. And um, that's when it was really real, you know, like, yeah, she does. And the doctor came and he showed me her really quick and then they took her away. So I, uh, yeah, I didn't have that moment of being able to connect with her right away. It, it all kind of felt very separate, mm -hmm. like a separate kind of happening <laughs> that I wasn't connected to. And the next morning I, you know, she, she went to the NICU and the next morning my husband was, you know, wheeling me to the NICU. And I just remember going down the hallway and having this kind of like, what am I going to see? What am I going to see when I, you know, am I going to, am I going to just see the Down syndrome? What am I, I was just like questioning and I was a little bit fearful and uh, because one of the fears that I had after I got her diagnosis is that I would only see the Down syndrome, that I wouldn't see my daughter. I wouldn't see me and my daughter, which was so important to me, you know, growing up being, you know, of mixed race and not seeing myself reflected in others, but my mother, like my mother was my source of like, this is who you are. And, you know, I didn't have siblings. I mean, my father had remarried and had two kids but my father is Chinese but he remarried a Chinese woman and had two kids and they're like you know we're like 10 12 years apart mm -hmm. and I, I didn't see myself reflected in them obviously we weren't raised together so it was kind of one of those things that you know I knew I wanted to be a mother and I knew that being able to see myself in my child was important to me and it it feels a little bit silly. No, I know what you mean as well. And even for me, I remember while I was pregnant and I just couldn't. And I was like, what's my daughter going to look like if she's like a little bit African? Like she's not actually going to look like me. So who is she going to look mm -hmm. like? And I don't know mm -hmm. too if there's something about 
having a daughter, you sort of in your mind think that they are going to reflect you. I don't know if you felt the same Mm -hmm. way about your son, but when I sort of just growing up, you know, thinking of having a daughter, she was going to be a mini version of me. And I very much see now like there's so much of myself in her, even though she doesn't really look like me. I guess it's a way, especially when you haven't yet become a mum, another way of connecting with your child, isn't it? And especially too, I think, when you said how you've spent your life not seeing yourself reflected. And I think I was so lucky. I'm one of four siblings. And so I guess we always had each other to mirror, which was so important. And I, yeah, I definitely know how I think it really hurts even now to think that I grew up not being able to see myself in in the the community around me, in the media, in the books, in the dolls. And so I'm making up for that so much with my daughter now. So you can have all the books. Yeah. <laughs> you can have all the books yeah. with the black yeah. people and all the black yeah. dolls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's gonna be like, I know. Even white people out there, like all of my toys. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely thank goodness for living in today's world right where there are progressive people and people that just understand that this is the world you know Um, being able to surround ourselves with those people is incredible and I'm so thankful that that's my motherhood journey now yeah I can't imagine what it's like when I guess you've had this space and time between birthing your daughter and then going to meet her and think I'm a creative person in my mind would just go a little bit wild like trying to envisage what is this moment going to be yeah you kind of like hold your yeah, breath a little I'm bit holding you know you don't exhale you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely and also I was gonna say too like my whole life my mother and I always heard like you um your daughter looks so much like mm. you you know and I do like I'm I am a mirror image of my mother. I'm taller than her. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah, like I have this one photo. I don't have a lot of photos from when I was growing up, but I have this one photo and I cherish it. It's like my favorite photo of my mother and I. And I was probably about one and my mom is sitting out on a lawn of grass and I'm just standing there in front of her as a baby. And I have it up in my house and Every time someone new comes into my house, in, and this was before I had my children, they would come into my house, they would see that phone, and they're like, you have a baby? And I'm like, <laughs> no. I'm like, that's me as a baby, and that's my mother. But it would happen so often. It was so funny. You know, and so growing up hearing, you know, how much you look like your mother, I just automatically assume that my daughter is also going to look like me and you know it would be the same so yeah it was you share in some ways and yeah I can imagine you're like oh this is something that's a part of our relationship yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and I my mother and I were really close growing up because it was just her and I you know we were the two musketeers I guess you know (laughs) like the attitude was always like you and me against the world you know and I loved that about us so when I when I got to the NICU, you know, she was on a feeding tube, had all the wires monitoring her heart. And thankfully, she had the most wonderful NICU nurse. Like she, I, I was wheeled in there and she has this red fiery hair and, you know, this just like really bubbly personality. And, you know, she was just like sunshine. <laughs> she like turned to me and she was like, are you the mama? And I was like, yes. I am, <laughs> you know, she's like, come on over here. She's like, come meet your baby. And she immediately picked her up and, you know, put her on my chest. And I just like looked at her face and it's like all, all the fears just kind of went away. They just went away. I like, I looked at her face and I was like, you're my baby. Like, you're just, you're my baby. You're, you know, you're mine. And that was it. Like, she's my daughter. And we will take on whatever this world throws at us together you know and I guess that's it you don't know it's I think it's such a I mean just even up to that point it's such a journey isn't it of getting to hold her and all the emotions it's really I I just feel that because it's such a undiscussed process of motherhood or you know that community isn't talked about and how different I guess it 
could have been now looking back. I, I, I guess there's a lot of sadness when you reflect and you wish that your pregnancy could have been different, but you didn't have any more knowledge, you know, like you did the best you could in that moment. Um, and, yeah, wouldn't it be so nice if we could go back and revisit things and change things? Yeah, yeah, it would have been. I mean, I think just to be able to say, to just to say congratulations, you know, congratulations, you're pregnant. I do have to let you know that this was the result of your test and and that is okay. Um, these are the possibilities of what might happen, but it also may not happen. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, just kind of, like you said, delivering the information, the facts, don't assume my child won't be able to do all of these things. Don't assume that she's going to be a burden mm-hmm. that, and don't say that she's going to suffer. You know, like my child is the happiest person that I know, <laughs> you know, like, like she loves herself. Life and love and life. Like, <laughs> you know, she just like suffering. Who's suffering? She's not <laughs> for sure. She's not. I just, yeah. It's, and you rely on them to know so much, yes. right? Like they're the ones that know. Yes. I don't know. You know. Yeah. You're the medical professionals and it feels like, yeah. okay, if this is what you're saying, this is probably the path that we should take. Well, I I know that you then got pregnant with Nova when when she was six months old. <laughs> but what was I guess that initial year of motherhood like? I mean, that's a lot to take on. It's hang on here we are, we're in motherhood, we're learning how to be a family and we're going to have a new person <laughs> turning up here. Yeah, <laughs> you might not have felt like you got all the time you thought you were going to have with winter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a shock, one, because I didn't think that I could get pregnant. Wow, you've been trying um, for three years. Yeah, and, oh. like, my doctor was like, what are you doing for birth control after I had winter? I'm like, nothing. Like, why do I need <laughs> like I'm barely having sex like what I you know like so yeah when she was six months old and I found out that I was pregnant again like immediate was shock Mm. but then also kind of fear set in again you know like I immediately went to the space of I'm probably going to miscarry this this pregnancy isn't when it happened without the medical intervention that's the result right but then also I felt really guilty. Like, I just felt like, no, like, this is too soon. Like, winter needs me, just me, for so much longer. Like, this is not fair to her. So, yeah, I the second time around, I, I still couldn't be really excited about it. I really couldn't, like, celebrate. Everything was just, like, very, like, a, like a caution warning. Yeah. And his pregnancy was so much it, it was so different from winters. Like, did you did you yeah. go and have the prenatal testing again? We did the yes, we did the testing to to find out the sex, yeah. but inevitably you end up finding out whether or not there is chromosomal abnormalities. But that was not my concern. I just wanted to know if I had a boy or a girl. <laughs> but they, they have to. They just it's they do that too. So and it came back negative, and I was. You know, I didn't kind of like feel any which way when I got that result. I was like, okay, this is my you know, I'm going like, to be. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Of course, there's a, a part of me that was like, I hope that he doesn't. But if he did, that is okay because I knew that once you have a child with Down syndrome, your possibilities of having another child with Down syndrome Increase. becomes higher. Yeah. So I, so you know, it's like there's this like acceptance that happens Mm -hmm. right like once you're given information once you've gone through experiences there's just kind of like you said you you kind of just give in to or you release and you lean into what is Mm -hmm. right and so you know I found out I was having a boy my husband was ecstatic (laughs) yeah his pregnant like the pregnancy with him was really really easy he was really heavy though like I was like I was so big, oh like, and I found out that his 
um, birth date was supposed to be December 23rd. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so close to Christmas. Like, he's going to have to share his birthday with Christmas. And I was, like, miserable. I always say I'm, like, the most miserable pregnant lady. Like, I'm not one of those women that, like, glow. And they're like, I'm so we happy to be friends pregnant. together because Nora and I. I'm just like, <laughs> can we hurry up? please. It's not my thinking. Yeah. 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 And I I mean, I love women that like, just feel the best when they're pregnant. And I think it's so beautiful. (laughs) But it just was not me. Like I felt my worst when I was pregnant. Like I just felt tired all the time and uncomfortable. And yeah, I just felt really limited in what I could do. And then after she was born, what was it like then having two babies, two under two? Is that what it was? I can imagine. Yep. It's been, it must be so complicated because it's been such a hard road to motherhood and then you've had all of these like things thrown into the mix and then here you are all of a sudden with two babies you thought at one point you never were going to be able to have. But then uh, there's the reality of you're a mum to two babies. I think Mm -hmm. that must be Mm -hmm. quite overwhelming at times. So after Winter was born, I had a little bit of, I don't want to say postpartum depression because it didn't get to that point. It did, I believe, spark my anxiety. But I did have like kind of like postpartum, I guess you would call it like baby, baby blues. But also like it kind of made sense to me that I would. Like I'm a new mom. I have a child with special needs. Like there's a lot going on. Like it makes sense to me, you know. And I kind of gave in or believed when people would tell me that, like, with the second one, it's so much easier, you know, because you had already been through it once. Like, you you know, you're able to, like, kind of get back on that horse quicker and, you know, get a routine going, you know, because with the first, you're very just, like, careful and, like, you're sanitizing everything and you can't, like, you know. Where with the second, you're kind of like, yeah, oh, you're going to put that in your mouth. Yeah, like, just like, get on with uh, it you know. a bit more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I believe that. I kind of like, like, I always knew there was the possibility of me experiencing the postpartum mood disorders, but I I just wasn't thinking it would happen to me, you know. And after he was born, I it hit me like a ton of bricks. It was like 10 times harder. Yeah, my postpartum anxiety was heightened. I went through a depression and I, and I say this knowing that I am actually still going through it. Postpartum doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be over in a few months or a year. I mean, you, it could be four years postpartum and you're still, you know, trying to manage and cope. And because you just, you become, you change after you become a mother. It's not just physically what your body goes through it's also mentally I definitely think like we're forever postpartum like you can't go back once you've been through all of that and I think that's it it's mentally it's physically and even just the way that I feel things like my heart has changed you know the way I see the Mm -hmm. world has changed like everything is different Mm -hmm. and yeah sometimes that can be I, I feel more vulnerable I guess too as a mother like I feel more and maybe it's uh, this little tiny person existing outside of myself and my control. And it's the fear, I think, took me a long time to be okay with where I'd be in the shower and I'd be crying all the time. And just like, if something happens to her, what's, what am I, how would I even cope? I almost feel like it's learning how to, to run, you know, like you sort of, it's like, you do a little bit and it's exhausting, but then you can do a little bit more and a little bit more again. But I definitely think we're forever postpartum. I don't think it's that six weeks. Okay, you're done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll go on yeah. that. And that you said too, that you're still in it and you don't know, you don't know when I guess it's going to lift that little bit more and that little bit more again. Is, is that how it sort of feels that it's? Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel like. I think I will always have anxiety. Mm. I am still suffering from depression. Is it intense as it was after I had my children? No, absolutely not. But, you know, certain things can trigger it. Being in this pandemic has triggered it. And that's where I feel like, you know, one, recognizing it, knowing what is happening to you, and then seeking help, you know, making sure that you surround yourself with the 
support that you need. Having um, a vocabulary to identify what's happening. Yeah. I think a lot of times too, like I remember being pregnant with winter and, you know, reading about postpartum depression, but postpartum anxiety never mm. came up. It was always about the depression or baby blues. Anxiety never entered my world. And I came to learn that I probably always had anxiety, but it manifested itself in different ways before I become a mother. So after I became a mother, I think it was more apparent because mm-hmm. you're worried. You're just worried a lot. You're worried about something happening to them, but you're also worried of something happening to yes. you. Like if if something happens to me, what's going to happen to my child? I yeah. cry about that a lot. <laughs> I really do. I just think, <laughs> oh my God. Uh, and you become really cautious. Like I drive, like the way I drive. <laughs> like I, you know what I mean. Like it's just like it affects so many aspects of your yeah. life where you didn't think twice about it before. Yeah. Like you have people that are relying on you. You have, you know, it's not just about you anymore. No. It's been the biggest lesson I think for me in selflessness. And I mean, God, I'm still definitely <laughs> traveling down that path, but. It's it, it just the way that it asks so much of you as a mother um, or as a parent. It, it's not like anything else before. And how deeply invested I am. I've never invested so much, like my whole being. It's a lot to put on the line. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I probably invested more in my kids than I do oh, myself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> Every day. It, when I look at your life and read your words, there's so much joy in your life and it's so hard. I think we don't talk enough about the the juxtaposition of holding both incredible joy and sadness at the same time and how I think mm-hmm. the the journey of parenthood is so much about that. There's so much incredible learning and insights and growth and I don't, there's so much I get from in love, all these things that I hadn't expected. And then on the other side, there's all these hard things. And it sounds like very much you're in the middle of those things that they isolate that <laughs> one and then the other will step in. It's, it's a wild ride, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, there's a lot of highs, there's a lot of lows. You know, speaking about social media, you know, going back to that, you know, we all have to remind ourselves that we choose what we put out there, right? Like it's a very curated kind of um, representation of our lives. And I, tr- you know, aesthetics, I, I admit it, they're important to me oh, too. Like I, I love, love being creative. This is the thing as a yeah. creative person, it's like your page visually has this lovely appeal to me. But then oh. I do read the captions and then you get to see all these different elements that are bubbling under the surface but it is definitely true it's a curated bubble of our lives and you know it doesn't mean it's inauthentic it's a snapshot of that moment right exactly and I you know and I make the conscious effort to share the hard Mm -hmm. times and it's not because I want pity it's not because I want sympathy it's not to say my life is harder than yours it's it's truly and honestly comes from a sincere want and need to connect with other people and to share with them that you are not alone that I don't care what you see on my feed I don't care if you feel like my life is perfect and you know you have these photos that represent this perfect life and it's like no I don't Mm. and I am right in it with you you are not like I think if I, like when I had my miscarriages, if I had known how common it is for women to have miscarriages, if friends had just told me I had a miscarriage, that would have helped me in such a huge way. I don't, I wouldn't have felt so isolated. I wouldn't have felt so shamed. I don't, you know, if it wasn't this taboo subject that you don't talk about, I mean, can you just imagine how women would just like come together for each other and be there for one another and support our journeys. Like this is not something to be ashamed of. This is not something, there's nothing wrong with you. You are not broken, you know? 
Um, Because that's how I felt. Like, I felt like this is all my fault. You know, I knew how much my husband wanted to be a father. And now I've just ruined his Mm -hmm. dream. He married a broken woman that can't even get pregnant. You know, like being blatantly honest. Like I and I suffered quietly. Like I because you felt like this wasn't something you're supposed to share. And I I don't share my life in a way of like, you know, there's definitely things I don't share on social media. But I'm also someone that likes to talk things out, you know, like I don't like keeping things in. I don't like feeling like I am I'm holding on to stuff and it feels really heavy. Like I need to be able to release. I need to be able to connect. I don't want this surface level, (laughs) you know, connection with my friends like I or just the people in my life. Like I want something deeper. The authenticity, I think, is maybe what you're trying to say, that you want authentic relationships in your life. And I wonder, is that something you've come to see in a new way, being mother to winter and her authenticity and the way she she goes through life, the way she is, who she is? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the way that winter moves through this world is is just pure. It's honest. You know, she she. My husband has a great saying, like, he feels that if everyone had Down syndrome, there would be world peace, like there would be no more wars. It's like they kind of have it figured out that you live life to its fullest, you live authentically, you find joy in the most mundane of things. And she's taught me that. I mean, I've gotten, you know, I always, my husband and I both say that we got to ease our way into parenthood with her because of her developmental delays. I mean, any little thing that she did and was able to accomplish with her therapist, it was like, yes, (laughs) you know, like, you sell, like, oh my God, she like switched the weight on her feet correctly and was able, like, every little thing was, you know, something to be celebrated and it was an accomplishment. And we really got to soak that in. Yes, yes. Like, I remember when I was trying to teach her to learn how to suck through a straw. And a lot of that had to do, too, with just strengthening her muscles. uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. And also to train her tongue to go back. So children with Down syndrome have either a wider tongue or a larger tongue. Um, which causes that protrusion where you see when their their face is rested, their tongue just kind of hangs out there. So you're you're kind of trying to tr- train it to kind of go back. <laughs> and and I remember the first time I like set up my my recorder, like I my phone to record, and we were practicing, 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 and you know she would spit it out, <laughs> or you know she wasn't like latching correctly. And the day that she did, boy, I was yeah. like the most exciting thing in the world, you know, and I just, you know, it's just those little things that I think if I had had Nova first, I would have just taken for granted. I, you know, I would just be like, oh, well, of course you're doing that. Of course you're know how to, you know, use a straw or of course, you know, like all of those things. And she really has shown me to really be present and to celebrate the the small and the large victories and to see people to really see people you know I I believe I've always been an empathetic person I believe I've always kind of I don't know they say like you wear your heart on your sleeve there's like a whole community of people that have embraced me that I've embraced them kind of like another set of a, of a family in a way, you know, and I'm so grateful to winter for that for really opening my eyes to so much more like there's so much more that I just didn't even know, you know, like I, the compassion and the empathy that I feel for others is is wide and it's far and it's huge. And you know, I was that mom that like, or that person, like, if you were on a plane and you hear a baby crying, I was like, oh, <laughs> don't let them sit next to me. Oh, my God. Shut that baby up, please. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now it's like, can I help you? You know, like, you know, instantly it's like, you know, I just, it's, it's pretty amazing. And how 
I don't know, did you ever see yourself as being an advocate before becoming a mom? And the way that you're trying to change the narrative around Down syndrome and the way that we view typically developing children and those that don't develop typically, did you ever imagine that you'd be in a place where you're using your voice in this way? Mm, No, Um, absolutely not. (laughs) You weren't an advocate beforehand. It's a a whole new thing, isn't that kind of? Yeah, I would say, though, that she did ignite something in me that I believe was always Mm. there. I feel like I've always kind of been a very like passionate person. I've always been a very outwardly speaking person. And, you know, after having her and what she has taught me in such a very short time of her life, I wanted to share with other people. And it was important to me that, you know, her world reflected her as well. You know, you know, you kind of combine your own childhood. And, you know, as a mother, naturally, you want to give your children the things that you weren't given. Right. And, you know, we had talked earlier about the being able to see yourself reflected back. And that was definitely something I like focused on early on in her life. That inclusion was priority number one, you know, and I also believe too that I I just wanted people to understand that she is more like you and I than not, you know, her, yes, she may look different. There are common traits, physical traits when it comes to Down syndrome. She may not sound like you and I, but she still communicates. She still has all the range of the emotions. She is capable. Mm. She is funny. She is like the funniest person (laughs) that I know. Like if you want a laugh, she will make like her laugh alone will make you laugh. Yeah, absolutely. Like her, the joy that she exudes, it's you, you can't help, but just feel it Mm. too, you know? And, you know, and I look at her and her brother together and, you know, I'm my son, he's, you know, he's still young. He's still learning how to engage and, you know, he's a little rough around the edges. (laughs) And my my daughter, you know, she just wants to be close to him. Like she, you should see the way that she looks at him. Like she adores him so much. Yes. And like, I just see her and she's like, looks at him and she just wants to, you know, touch his hair and rub his back. And she just wants to embrace him and he'll push her away. <laughs> and he's like, no, you know, and he's just like this rough, like, you know, little boy and like, ew, like, you know, kind of thing. And she still like goes for it. She's still like. <laughs> but Elena, I, I wonder, and sorry, I know we're getting close to the end here, but how do you and your husband, I guess, do you have conversations about how you're going to hold space for Nova as well? Because I imagine Winter's needs are going to be greater than than Nova's. Mm-hmm. And for him, I guess, to have space for himself and within the family dynamic. Yeah, we had that conversation um, when I was pregnant with him that we have to make the conscious effort to check in with mm-hmm. him. It's really, really easy to just assume he's okay. And yeah, the reality is, is that Winter just naturally has more needs than he does. And right now at their age, having alone time with him, designating that time where he feels special and where all the attention goes to him is what we are consciously doing right now. Um, And which we will do for the probably the rest of his life, even maybe as an adult, because I know now I'm like, I want to hang out with my mom. And my mom's like, I got to check my calendar. Like, wait, what? Um, But yeah, like I, he is one of the most resilient kids that I know. You know, I had mentioned, you know, I'm going through lots of postpartum anxiety, lots of kind of uh, mood disorders. And I you know, I've had moments that I'm not proud of, you know, with him. And the way that this kid 
just kind of knows what I need is incredible. You know, there are days where I, I feel like I, I can't function. You know, I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to cook the breakfast. I don't want to have to put you on the potty, you know, and there's, there's an incident or a moment that I'm thinking about right now where I had one of those really low moments and I was in bed and I had told my husband, I was like, I just need a moment because I had just been yelling. I just had been yelling at the kids. Like every little thing would like trigger me and I, you know, and I was saying things that I was not proud of. So I went into my room, I closed the door and I curled up in my bed and this, and he was only maybe two. And he came into my room and he got up in that bed with me and he he just snuggled close, you know, and he just like put his little face on my shoulder. And it was exactly what I needed at that moment. You know, it was like, thank you. You know, thank you, buddy, for like not hating me right now. You know, like understanding that mommy, mommy's having a hard time. And that unconditional love is huge, isn't it? It's just, yeah, it's unbelievable. And that's it, even in your like shittiest moments, they still love you so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they have every right not yeah. to, you know, like he has every right in that moment to like hate my guts right now and to not want to be around me and to be angry and to be hurt. And, but no. In that moment, he like was like, you need me like you need to be embraced right now. And you're having a hard time, mommy. So, I mean, he he's special in his own way, too, you know, and we we have to make that effort to hold space for him and to make time for him and to check in with him. And and one of the things that we did early on, too, was that, you know, when he would accomplish something in his developmental journey that we would celebrate those two you know like when he started crawling for the first time when he took his first steps they were all huge deals Mm -hmm. and winter taught us that that you know it's not something that you just take for granted and say oh of course you're gonna do that it's like no that's huge like you know you worked hard for that yeah you did when you've been watching them for weeks working so hard (laughs) (laughs) like you finally did it (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And Elena, if you don't mind, I guess I'm curious just because it's not something that, again, is talked about a lot. I know you said, you know, you're four years into the journey with winter. You're living each day with her as it comes. What does the future look like for for a child with Down syndrome from what you've been able to gather from families? I guess what do you hope will be the things that can change for winter so she can grow up realizing all she's capable of rather than mm-hmm. the conversation being really small and diminishing? You know, in a very, a very simple answer would be possibility. Mm-hmm. You know, I believe her future, there, there are so many possibilities, but I'm also not naive to the fact that we're going to have to have hard conversations, that there are things that she's going to want to do. And She's just not going to be able to do them. I, we are never going to stop her or deter her from wanting to try everything and anything that is available to her. But if she, she's unable to accomplish that, that it's okay mm-hmm. that she wasn't able to accomplish it, but that that's just a reality. And I know that as she gets older, that she's going to like boys, that she's going to want to learn how to drive. and. You know, we're going to have those hard conversations and my heart's going to break when she's going to like a boy and they don't like her back or, you know, she wants to be friends with a certain group of people and, you know, they're not quite welcoming. I think her future is, is that there are possibilities, there's things that you will be able to do and there are things that you won't be able to do and your heart's going to be broken and there's going to be a lot of disappointment. But I hope, I will always keep hope that she will be able to do and have all the things that we all have the opportunity to have. 
right? Like I want her to be able to get married if she wants to get married. I want her to have a career if she wants to, you know, whatever she wants to do, go to college. And this is the beauty of today. Like there are people that are creating paths for people with Down syndrome. You know, there are organizations that are there as resources and support um, that are Ruby's Rainbow. They create scholarships for young adults with Down syndrome so they they can go to college. You know, I don't know. I don't have the answer. But, you know, when I look at her, I see lots of possibility. I see that there is potential there, that she is capable of so many things. I mean, just the stuff that I thought that she wouldn't be able to do, she is now doing. You know, she's always proven me wrong. She always has. And I don't see that she wouldn't as an adult, you know, and, you know, if she wants to live independently, that is absolutely a possibility. There are young adults that are, you know, or older adults, whatever, you know, (laughs) adults adults with Down syndrome. (laughs) Yeah, adults with Down syndrome that are living independently and some living independently with help. But if she doesn't and she stays home with us, that's okay too. And we've accepted that. We know that. But we will just make sure that she is surrounded with the support that she needs. And, but yeah, like I, like I said, I'm just like, I, I don't know. But I'm also not naive to say that she's going to be able to do everything and all of her dreams are going to come true. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm a realist. Like I, I understand that there's not no way to erase her particular journey, but just hearing the things you're, you're articulating that you want for her. I mean, they're things that I want for my daughter too. Maybe it's a nice thing to think that, like you said, she's more like us than not, you know, that we're, we're all, mm-hmm. we're both mothers and our daughters are both these beautiful human creatures. <laughs> and, you know, I, my heart breaks at the thought of she's going to have people who don't want to be her friend and, you know, it's for different reasons, but yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting to to think that maybe your journey being her mum isn't completely different to how all mm-hmm. of us who are parents, all the things we go through. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and um, I think when we have the support of each mm-hmm. other and we have these really open and honest and raw conversations with each other. I think that's what like really brings us all together, whether you have a child with special needs or not, you know, like we need the support of community. We need the support of each other. And I, I cherish that. Like I cherish this conversation that we're having right now, you know, it definitely. I, I really believe that we can connect more as human beings by sharing our stories. And I'm just so thankful for you to be so open and share your journey as a mom and as um as a family getting thank you navigating life together (laughs) thank you so much thank you thank you Um, oh i one thing i always forget too if um people wanted to find and connect with you what is your handle on instagram it is life with winter and nova and i spell winter with a y not an i i like this (laughs) (laughs) is there anything that you're working on at the moment as well that we should look out for not currently there is the possibility of a second black disabled lives mural that myself and an artist a local artist here who is also a friend and mother but it's still in the works we don't know if it's for sure yet but hopefully it will come watch this space is as the kids say yes (laughs) Yes, yes. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you, Techie. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Come connect with me on Instagram with the handle born underscore underscore together. I'd love to hear from you. And please do share, subscribe and rate the podcast to help it get out to a wider audience. I'd love if you could. Until next week. Bye.